0: Welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. Your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett.
1: Hello mountain bikers and welcome to episode number 21 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I've got another great episode lined up for you. But before that, I just want to say a thank you to some of the guys that have left reviews on iTunes and given us 5 out of 5 stars. I really do appreciate it. Um, I've got a number of them here, but I want to read one um, this week. I'll maybe read a few out, a few more out next week. Um, but this is by Feethorpes. And he says, "'For those of you who love to ride, give a listen.' good solid info and fun interviews to keep you up when you can't ride and to inspire you when you're on the way to the trails i hope to make it over to the uk at some point to ride and experience some of the trails they talk about great podcast thank you very much i appreciate that you know it's brilliant to get those reviews so please if you do listen to the show and you're listening on itunes please go there and review you can also listen to the show on the website mtb-tribe.com or stitcher as well if you're using an android phone thank you very much and I I really do appreciate that so on to today's show we are talking with Lynette Deacon about her racing training challenges and sponsors Uh, we get inside the ladies racing scene and chat about ladies and mountain biking Lynette uh, is a super cool girl and has raced in the Red Bull Fox hunt for the last four years and she goes out of her way throughout the year ...to attend these races um, all under her own pocket. Yes, she is sponsored and she gets a little help from her sponsors and stuff... ...but she's very, very dedicated goes to the gym, gets out on her bike every week three or four times and that's what it takes to compete at this level. And we chat to her about that. We chat to her about ladies getting into mountain biking and how she feels that that would be easier done and the way you should just go about that. So we talked to her about racing in the Scottish Downhill Association Series, about her low points in racing and how she kind of overcomes that and also her training schedule and Her favourite trails and her plans and goals for 2018. She's a very, very cool girl and very positive thinking and very good for the ladies' mountain biking scene. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I will waste no more time and introduce Lynette Deacon to the show. Hi Lynette, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. It's brilliant to have you on. How's things with you this evening?
0: Hi, Yeah. thanks for having me along. I'm grand, thanks.
1: No, brilliant! It's great to have you on, and we were just having a brief wee chat there before before I hit the big red record button. And uh, you're the first lady racer we have had on the podcast, so hooray! Brilliant.
0: <laughs> Thanks. I didn't realise we were quite that rare. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's just it's hard to track these girls down. I'll tell you, that that's the truth. <laughs> there are a few of us out there. Mhm. Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, we'll get into your racing and you raced in in the red bull fox hunt and stuff which is big over here because it's it's a big big comp over here for us guys we all love it um and we'll talk about sponsors and, and how ladies can better get into mountain biking and all but before we talk mountain biking tell us about your adrenaline junkie background you've got a very nice website and you claim to be an adrenaline junkie on it can you just tell us a wee bit about that
0: yeah, well and truly adrenaline junkie, self-confessed. Um, it's it's just always been a part of me. I will throw myself off of anything. Um, so as a kid at school, I used to absolutely suck at team sports, um, but loved rock climbing. Um, and I took up snowboarding towards the end of school when I went to university. Um, I've done you know, kite surfing, wakeboarding, um, give me canyoning i've bungee jumped in uh, new zealand which i think is 137 meter bungee jumping oh. um all in all mountain biking actually didn't come along until much later in my life
1: yeah interesting and you know i love the adrenaline stuff myself and I, i'd been to a, a good bit myself but you know the thing that scares me the most is that splonking do you know what that is
0: Spl- i haven't heard of splonking before <laughs> you,
1: you? <laughs> No, i think that's what you call it it's diving it's going underwater in caves.
0: Ah right. yeah, that that does terrify me a bit because there's no there's no bailout. There's no other option.
1: No, that is really that is really scary. And uh, I've got a couple of mates that are divers. I don't know how they do it. It just freaks me out.
0: Yeah, that's one I haven't tried. I've tried caving before um and that one sufficiently scared me enough I'm not sure that I would uh, manage what was it splunking Spl-
1: I hope that's right I hope that's not I'm going <laughs> need to be. check that I might have to be edited out <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just out of curiosity then you were on ninja warrior UK um it was a tv show it was was that like an assault course thing
0: yeah, it was. It was um, filmed for ITV. So um, I was doing a lot of obstacle course racing at the time, things like Tough Mudder and Spartan. Um, and I just happened across this advert. I think it might have been on Facebook. And it was one of those, oh, it just seemed like a good idea. I'll give it a shot. Um, so <laughs> I went for an interview, um, proved that I could you know, talk to the camera and do that bit. Um, and yeah, they invited me down to Manchester to have a shot at this. It. It is a huge obstacle course of indoor, um, lots of foam panels and I don't know how you would describe it. It's an obstacle course. Each one's a little bit different. Um, Fastest one along it goes through to the next round, if you can get along it. I think I got about halfway through before I fell off. Um, You only get one shot at it. You're running it pretty much blind. You've got no idea how the obstacles are going to react. Um, it was yeah that was an experience and a half that was quite incredible.
1: How, how did you fall into that did you just see the advert and go for it?
0: Yeah completely I just applied um, and they must have been pretty short on people or I don't quite know why they thought I was a good candidate but um, yeah went through this interview process um, just in Glasgow uh, which basically just proved that You could talk to the camera, you could talk to the hosts, um, you were physically fit enough. They made us do a whole bunch of like interval sprints and pull-ups and things like that just to prove that we were capable. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, they invited me down to Manchester for this recording.
1: Brilliant. And when did you do that?
0: uh so that was hmm, three years ago now i think that was a little while ago um the more that mountain biking has somewhat taken over my life the obstacle horse racing has completely taken the back seat um i haven't done much of that for the last couple of years really
1: yeah yeah and you're you're originally from dorset and then you moved to scotland what age did you move to scotland
0: I would have been about 18 when I moved. I had the opportunity to go to university. Um, so naturally, as all teenagers do, you pick the university that is as far away from as possible from your home. Uh, so I went to Aberdeen. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and uh, the theory behind it was that that was actually a lot closer to the ski resorts up here. Um, so I packed my snowboard and disappeared to university. And then I just got hooked on the mountains and I never went home.
1: Happy days. Yeah, uh- that's kind of similar to me though I didn't travel as far but I was drawn to that I'm I'm a surfer at heart you know I've been surfing for 20 odd years and um I get drawn to the coast and then I've never left
0: yeah mine went in reverse I grew up um actually surfing is the one thing that I can't do but I grew up uh kayaking and windsurfing and kite surfing and down by pool harbour in Dorset we've got wonderful water sports down Mm -hmm. there um but no mountains.
1: <laughs> no, no good. No good.
0: <laughs> so tell us
1: then Lynette, you got into mountain biking um relatively late really for somebody that's such a good racer now. But how how did you initially get into the mountain biking then?
0: Um so it was a uh, my partner's friend at the time, Kieran. Um he was doing a bit of biking at the time. Uh, and the two of them thought that it would be fun to put me on a higher bike and throw me down the red trail at Glen Tress, um, which oh, wow. is, you know, I think a lot of people probably have heard of Glen Tress. It's uh, one of the seven stains in Scotland and it's, mm-hmm. yeah, a big, big trail centre. So I got to the bottom of the first descent. Uh, I must have had the biggest grin on my face. I was absolutely hooked on that adrenaline rush. Um, and. <laughs> that was it it sold me i think i was looking up bikes that evening
1: (laughs) (laughs) and had your partner mountain bike before that
0: uh he had done it a little bit but he probably started properly mountain biking about six months before i did right Um, so it wasn't there's not a big sort of gap there
1: yeah and uh just take us through that. Were you scared when you were at the top of that red run? Did you know what to expect? Just take us through that. How were you feeling at that at that time?
0: I was nervous, probably not for myself, um but because I say, his mate Kieran um, had got it all worked up in my head that these were going to be big drops, and I had to do X, Y, and Z, and he was giving me all these tips, and I was trying to hold all this in my head. Once I actually got going, it all went out my head, and I just sort of felt the flow of it, and it it was one of those you know that blissful moment where everything sort of comes together and goes completely silent Mm. um it was yeah fantastic so it it didn't really occur to me to be scared i suppose Mm. um i mean it was it was just a bike so what's the worst that happened (laughs) i I don't think i knew what i'd let myself in for to be honest
1: (laughs) Uh, so well at least you had experience of bikes so you had been on bikes as kids and, and as a kid and stuff like that you weren't just you know here you go no stabilizers <laughs> go down that mountain
0: yeah no I had actually even learning to ride a bike I was fairly old I think I was maybe seven or eight when I learned to ride a bike um, and even then it was only for getting to school and back it wasn't what I would call you know single track trails Um, so yeah i could ride a bike i could probably manage dropping off a curb um and that would have been about it Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so a pretty big step up to be throwing down a red trail Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah on a bike you've never been on before
0: yeah on you go Be fine (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it's the best way (laughs) yeah in hindsight uh, it worked
1: (laughs) yeah so what do you mind me asking what age were you then
0: uh, I would have been twenty six then.
1: Right. So yeah, and see that's amazing because, and, and I love that because you don't. I'm not saying twenty six is old by any means. <laughs> like I wish I I, I wish I was twenty six again, but you don't have to be super young to start mountain biking, and that's the beautiful thing about it.
0: No, not at all. Um, I've I've come across this a lot that yeah, you see the younger girls and boys as well coming up, and some of the ones that have been on the single track from day one put on mountain bikes on downhill bikes and they are incredible riders um but equally yeah there are people who are in their 40s starting for the first time and it's it's actually got nothing to do with your age and all to do with how often you're out and what you're exposed to
1: yeah yeah certainly um no it's def- it's, it's funny because if you look at the actual average age of mountain bikers it's actually you know I'm not going to say old, because I probably <laughs> fall into that bracket. <laughs> but, you know, it's mid-30s to, yeah. well, well, 50s here. And I think in the States, it's even older.
0: Yeah. we well, uh, just have to look at some of the race categories to see that, that the most dominated categories tend to be the, the masters and the vets.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very good. It, it's brilliant. That's what I love about it. It's awesome. You know, you, you can do it at any age. It's fantastic. And it's good for your knees. yes that too so tell us then when you started what trails were you riding at that time then what what were you normally going out where were you going out and riding
0: um well a lot of the time i spent down glentrest doing those um the red routes they've got a great skills area there as well um and then heading north we've got a small um trail center called Comrie croft and i was there quite a bit similar sort of level slightly shorter trails um that or uh, just outside of Stirling there is um, quite a large hill called Demayat and a lot of the locals it's not a marked trail it's just a side of a hill um, might be a walker's path Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah there would have been a lot of weekends spent there so it was just what was on the doorstep really all these places are within half an hour drive from my home
1: Mhm. So all handy and and yeah, you could just scoot up. That's awesome. Um. So did you have any support? Did your partner support you? Did his friends su- support you?
0: <laughs> I mean, if you mean support by encouraged me yeah. to go down, you know, go down these steep shoots, then uh, yes, it was. It was mostly my partner. Um. Say this friend of his. We met a couple of other um couples who were riding the same sort of trails at the same time. So you meet so many people when you're out biking. Um, yeah, you know, any biker will talk to any other biker in the trail centres. That you make friends so quickly.
1: Yeah, no, I love that about it as well. It's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, and that's one thing I love about it, which is different from surfing. Surfers, yeah, they're all cool and laid back and dudes. But um, there's a wee bit more. I don't want to say localism or stuff like that because, you know, you're fighting for waves. So if you Mm. see two cars arrive in the car park, you're thinking, oh, no, here we go. You know, this is going to be a... But mountain biking is completely different. Once you get up the mountain, everybody spreads out and you never see anybody again, you know.
0: Well, yeah, the the climbs and the transitions are brilliant for that. It doesn't matter Mm. who you come up against. You you pull a face, you go, oh, I hate this climb. And the other person laughs and then you start chatting. And that's all it takes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, classic so i'm interested then how you went from that to where you are now like how much time were you spending on the bike when you initially got interested in it
0: so when i started i would have been a, a proper weekend warrior i'd have been out most saturdays um which i suppose is probably more than the average beginner but uh, a lot less than i do now
1: yeah and when you when you got the bug where when did you step it up to the next level then? You know, when did you start to go more? When did you think, you know, I might want to try and compete in this? How did that all come about?
0: Um it's difficult to even remember, to be honest. Um, I remember the first race, um, there was a friend of mine who I'd been riding with, um, and she was getting into doing racing, so I sort of tagged along at the same time and just went, Well, yeah, it's It's a new experience, I'll try it and see what it's like. Um, So after that first race, when, again, it was like a flicking of a switch. Once I'd done one, that was it. I knew I wanted to do more. Um, And I knew I'd have to up my level to not be last. Um, So that would have been the first sort of step. But almost each year, I sort of have a bit of a reality check. And then once I became sponsored and got onto a team, there was another sort of reality check kick in there that right i need to step up my game again um and you start seeing other girls that are getting the podiums and winning the races and you think right well if they can do it i can do it so i'm going to start aiming to to be where they are mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's
1: that's quite a good way to do it really you weren't really putting any pressure on yourself you were just you you were getting to a stage where you figured out right i need to up my game, as you say, and, and step things up and, and, you know, compete a wee bit more, go out, train a wee bit more, do all that.
0: Yes, I've, I've never been very good at accepting the, well, this is my standard and I'm happy with that. Because the minute I see somebody else doing something better, I want to do that, um, especially on the trails. You know, I was starting off on the red trails, but I knew that black trails existed. So I want to go do those. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well that's one
1: way to advance isn't it and get better it seems to work yeah yeah certainly so can you remember your first bike
0: yeah um i think it was a, it was a diamond back outlaw um i'm pretty sure my gran bought it for me one birthday and i can remember you know swing my leg over uh, scooting around the car park on it and coming back and she just took one look at me and uh muttered under her breath i should have been born a boy <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> <a> great
1: start. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. And when you started, when you got up the mountain there then, and you, you said you came home and you were looking at bikes that same night after you read your first red tree, yeah. <laughs> what, what bike did you buy at that stage?
0: Um, my first proper mountain bike was a, a Mondraker June XR, um, which I got second secondhand. Um, and that lasted me um, probably... Two and a half, three years, um, and when I replaced it, I replaced it with another Mondraker June RR this time, um, just because I absolutely love the brand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you get stuck like that, you know. When well, I'm not stuck's not the right word, but you get to like something, you like the brand, and you just you tend to go with it again. I'd be a bit like that myself, I think.
0: Yeah, it's actually only been. Um maybe the last sort of year that I've started taking the opportunity to test other bikes. Um, and I can now feel that there was a time where it wouldn't have made a difference. I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference between any bike, how it feels, how it reacts, because I would have been so focused on the trail, I, I wouldn't have known what I was actually handling. Um whereas yet yeah, it's only been more recently that I can actually feel in myself if the geometry is going to work for me, if the setup is correct. Um, and now I'm much happier to jump on different bikes and you know, feel the difference between them.
1: Yeah, you kind of yeah, you know that you, you can feel it. You know the difference. Yeah,
0: but it's it's taken quite a while for me to actually get my head around that.
1: Mm, yeah, no, I can understand that. So let's jump forward a wee bit then. Let's talk about the Red Bull Fox Hunt. Yeah. So you've raced in that four years in a row what what do you love so much about that race
0: yeah I, I've now raced in it more often than Rachel Atherton has <laughs> um, <laughs> so she set it up. um it's just it's an incredible atmosphere um when you've got that many women all racing at the same time they're so supportive of each other and they just have such a great laugh um I think more than anything though I do love a mass start race um racing just like elbow to elbow against other riders, it's it's a whole different feeling to it. Normally, it's just you against the clock, um, and even though you know you're against other people, you don't. When you're on the track, you don't really have that sensation. Whereas when it's a mass start, I can see the girls to my left, my right, in front of me, and um, in all honesty, it's an uh, an aggression that kicks in. It's like the red mist comes down, and that's it. You've just got to go. You've got to get ahead of them or take them out or something um which i suppose considering why i tend to race that adrenaline rush um yeah you don't get anything quite like it other than a mass start event like the fox hunt
1: yeah it's it's pretty crazy looking now i've never done one but it is pretty nuts in all fairness and we we have it here in our trail uh, ross trevor um trail center here and it's always wet it's always wet and always mucky uh <laughs> you know and but you have done it in other areas can you uh, have you done it in the same the same trail every time or has it been different spots
0: no so the women's one tends to move around um the first two years was held in just outside edinburgh uh which was perfect because it was about 30 minutes from my house um the third year it was just outside carlisle um and last year it was held in uh, rachel's hometown of i want to say mckinnelless now i know that all the welsh people out there are going to yell at me for pronouncing come on but it's something like that um yeah so i'm not too sure where it will be this year um but i know that they're, they're keen to move it around to get more women involved um to try and encourage them to actually come out and race which has been a benefit for me because i've met different people every time i've gone
1: yeah yeah no it, it looks amazing and Talk us through the race. Um, I, I think it was the one you had last year, 2017. Mm-hmm. You had mechanical issues. Can you talk us through that <laughs> a wee bit?
0: Yeah, you think you had rain and mud in Rostreva. <laughs> we had epic proportions of mud. It was just destroying the bikes, the riders. We had a graveyard of mud guards at the bottom of the by the finish line. Um, and I had a bit of an issue that on one of my practice runs, there was so much mud in around my chain that the, um, the chain guide actually snapped off, it sheared through the metal completely. So I had to ride down with my chain and various bits of uh, mech in my hand. Um, I managed to salvage it using half a toothpaste tube and six zip ties, Um, (laughs) which, um, Yeah, it just about worked, Um, but the the mud was something else that year.
1: Yeah, and and you did you do that in your qualifying run?
0: Um, Well, I did it in a practice, um, held together for half of my qualifying run, um, which meant that I lost a good sort of two minutes trying to put my chain back on during qualifying. Um, But luckily it held together for the final race run. Um, so for those who don't know how it's set up you do your qualifying um and that positions you on the grid so essentially the fastest girls were in the front line um the slower girls are sort of behind that and there were around about 200 women racing mm-hmm.
1: wow that's really good mm-hmm. yeah that's that's you're bound to build up such a good network of, of friends and riders there in an event like that
0: yeah but well i think because um most female riders don't come across many other women when you're out just doing your weekend mm. rides, that to have them all together in one place at the same time, it is it is an atmosphere unlike any other that I've come across. Um, never have I ever been in a race where the other riders are cheering you on for support and encouraging you as you are halfway down the trail.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny because I was going to ask you about that. I wanted to ask you you know, what it was like competing against the likes of Kathy Winton and, and, and ladies like that. And is it like the guys, like, are the girls as competitive as the guys, like you said, when the red mist goes down? Because I've heard a lot of guys say that. But the Foxhump. once the red <laughs> mist goes down, you just go. Is it the same
0: for the girls? It is. And it, it's the same across all of the races. Some are there just for the social aspect and just to have a bit of a laugh and some fun. Um, and some are there purely to race and, you know, to get those wins. It's, it's difficult because there's not very many um, women that tend to race at series level or national level. You know everybody that's there. Um, like I've raced against Katie, I think, three or four times last year, um, and she's absolutely lovely. And most of these girls, you know, we all know each other. We all get along really well off the track. Um, but the moment you're between the tape, that's it. There's no love lost. You are in it for yourself and that's it.
1: <laughs> so how did you finish up last last year in the Red Bull, Fox Hunt?
0: Um, so I said, my, my seeding run didn't quite go to plan. So I think I seeded 28th, um, which had me on the, the second row back and a, a really bad kind of starting line. Um, but I said, once the adrenaline kicked in, I managed to finish up 11th overall. Wow. Um, yeah, it sounds brilliant. I was a bit pissed with myself because I managed to get eighth the year before, um, but still happy with eleventh.
1: Yeah, and, and that's that's funny, isn't it? So did you go in this year thinking, you know, was that your goal? I need to be eight, eighth or
0: I wanted you know, a top ten, and I came eleventh.
1: Ah. Uh, <laughs> um, well, blame your blame your chin.
0: Yeah, that's what I'll be doing.
1: <laughs> was your was your partner not there mechanicing for you? Would he not a
0: No, because he was in Ireland racing the men's Red Bull Fox Hunt.
1: Oh, was he? Was he over here?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I would love to get over and do the Irish one. But last year, the two events clashed. They were on the same weekend. So whilst I was in Wales on the same weekend, at the same time racing the Fox Hunt, he was in Ireland racing the men's one over there. Um, And to our surprise, whereas I finished 11th, he also finished 11th in his category
1: wow that's unbelievable yeah
0: they couldn't make it up
1: <laughs> classic that is that is awesome brilliant so let's talk about your other races then um and events and stuff you have been to so tell us about some of the races you competed in last year
0: oh where do i there's, start so many quite
1: a lot eh <laughs> um so okay let's go let's go from this angle what was your most challenging race last year
0: challenging certainly has to have been the endurance downhill um no fuss set up a race at fort william um which was uh, a lemon style start where you had to run to your bike um you had to pedal it up to um i don't know if you know the world cup downhill track very well but the silver Line wall ride um and then pedal it down from there And then you had six hours to do as many laps of the downhill uh, World Cup track as possible. Um, And it was just brutal. It destroys the body, the bike. I don't know how many bearings I had to replace at the end of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you weren't walking properly the day after at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, you know, because um, last week's podcast, I was talking to well no sorry the week before that i was talking to jerry jackson he does 24 hour solo races Mm -hmm. um and he is very successful he's very good he's from dublin he's a giant rider from dublin and um but he's so calm he's just so calm and collected, you know and to me to do something like that it just seems so crazy (laughs) but he just seems so level headed he he was just so cool and collected you know so you normally race enduro so what made you want to do a six R enduro race then
0: honestly because it seemed completely crazy um so i am not built for endurance or long distance at all i will never make an xc racer um for one thing i hate the climbs um i will quite happily do enduro that's within the realms of my limits um i love a downhill race as well um but yeah, this one when somebody sort of said, "Oh yeah, six hours on the the World Cup track," and it crossed my mind, this was insane. I've got to try this. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, it sounds stupid. I, I think there might be something missing in my brain, but uh, it just seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, and
1: and did you did you change your training routine? Did you eat differently? Did you work on the bike more? How how did you how did you prepare yourself for that?
0: Yes, yeah, so there was a lot more. Strength training involved um, just in preparing the muscles for that amount of battering because by the end of it, you, you're struggling to hold your own body weight up above the bike. Um, not to mention, because the World Cup track okay, so the, the elite pro downhillers are doing it in five minutes, it's going to take me seven, seven and a half minutes to do, um, mm. especially doing that many times in a row so i'm having to do interval sprints on the gym bike for seven minute blocks um uh, so that so my body can cope with that sort of timing
1: oh that sounds horrible <laughs>
0: yeah, it was <laughs>
1: um yeah you know and the thing the thing that surprised me when i chatted to jerry about it he never stopped it doesn't stop in 24 hours no um he just keeps going. He gets food handed to him and liquid handed to him. And he may stop for three minutes or something silly like that. But he just keeps going. Um, and them guys are so competitive as well. And did you find that there at that six? Or it was just as competitive as a normal enduro?
0: Oh, completely. Um, but you fall into this strange mindset where it's actually easier to keep going than it is to stop. Um, because when you stop, it's just that much trickier to pick yourself up again. Um, the advantage, of course, there we could use the gondola, um so we had these sort of breaks in between where you were forcing yourself to eat something. I was, you know, doing stretches and lunges in the gondola just to stretch my legs out again, ready for the next run.
1: <laughs> oh, it sounds. Uh, are you go do it again?
0: Um, if it's on the calendar, then yeah, definitely. Um, wow, <laughs> I'll have to have to see for that one. <laughs> yeah
1: oh wow well i know it, i know it was maybe tough at the time but when you when you have completed it you probably quite enjoyed it
0: oh completely yeah yeah you, you get one to of the-, the end and it's huge smiles and you're so happy to have just survived um i don't think it really sinks in until the following day just how kind of broken you are
1: <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's a weird it's a weird mindset but i think most bikers and most people involved in that kind of sport are like that you know um why i say masochists but there's a certain percentage (laughs) of it for sure um so you've also raced in the scottish downhill uh, association series can you tell us a wee bit about
0: that series yeah um i think that's possibly one of the longest established series now for it's been going for years um i tried it i tried a one-off a couple of years ago um and really enjoyed it so last year i raced both the scottish enduro and the scottish downhill series Um, with a view of hopefully making a decision as to which one I wanted to specialize in. Um, I still can't give you an answer for that. I love them both. So again, this year I'll be doing both of them, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's, yeah, it's a very different setup to the enduros. It's how, how to quite explain it. It's not quite as relaxed in the sense that with the enduros, because you're pedaling around in a group and you've got generally your mates there and you can stop and have a bit of a lunch break whenever you want. And it's quite chilled out. Whereas with the downhill races, people tend to be far more focused. And because you're racing the same track um, over and over all day in practice, you really get focused in on which lines are going to be the fastest, exactly which side of a certain rock you might be taking it. Um, whereas with enduro, you do tend to rely on the, can I remember what it was like yesterday? No, right. Just smash it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah There's a very different feel to the events.
1: Yeah, and how about, again, set up and stuff? Did you have a different bike for that, or did you just use your enduro bike?
0: No, I had a a full downhill bike. Um, I have a Da Vinci Wilson, um, which isn't technically mine. I've stolen it off my partner. Um, (laughs) Sorry, he's very nicely lent it to me. Um, But no, so I raced the downhill on the Wilson, um, and I've been riding uh, a Pivot Max 6 last year for um, the Enduro Series, Not, I mean, the enduro bikes nowadays are so great that they could do any downhill course you wanted them to do. Um, And in fact, there was one guy racing at the Scottish Downhill Series last year on a Trek Slash. And he was keeping his times up with all the guys on the full downhill rigs. Um, But for me, I need that extra travel. I need that um, confidence that comes from the bigger bike.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and do you go into the downhill with a different mindset to enduro are you more focused do you think
0: yes yeah 100 when i'm at the top of the downhill track um you won't get a conversation out of me and i'll be completely focused on what's coming up um and i think it's also far more nerve-wracking um because you know you've, you've only really got two shots and it's the best shot out of that or the you know fastest time that um is your finishing time Whereas with the enduros, yeah, it's much more relaxed. If you mess something up, then chances are almost everybody messes something up at some point in an enduro. And, you know, you can probably pick it back up off of other tracks. Um, you know, if you've got one of the, the stages might not be a particularly strong point for you. You can probably make that time back up elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it definitely feels very different in my head as to what's going on.
1: Yeah, and as far as the downhill stuff goes, um, I take it there's much bigger jumps and bigger drops and rougher terrain. Um, How did you build yourself up to kind of get into that then? Was that just something you would have been doing casually at the weekends as well, doing runs like that and trails like that?
0: Yeah, um, it it comes back to the, well, if I see it there and I see somebody else do it, then I want to try it. Um, There are still things on the downhill tracks that I can't or won't do, um, and maybe 2018 is the year that I need to, you know, accomplish a few of those. Um, there are normally sort of beelines around the biggest obstacles there, mm. um, but it does tend, well, it's difficult to say. It does tend to be steeper and rougher. But equally, the enduros have taken us down some pretty rough stuff as well. Um, the enduro series at Inaliven last year. Made use of, I think, three of the downhill stages um, that are there, but you're racing it on a smaller bike.
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's funny that you were saying you could race the downhill on a on a good enduro bike too, and
0: hmm.
1: yeah, the two are kind of starting to melt into one. You know?
0: <laughs> they, they really are. It's <laughs> It's just about what you want out of it. So the downhill rig is going to go downhill very, very fast um whereas the enduro bikes are you're perhaps going to have more fun they're going to be a bit more Mm popular and you're going to be able to move them around a bit easier but they'll be a bit slower um so it it depends on what you want to ride what do you want to get out of your ride
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and and just this is just out of my own personal i just want to know are you are you riding 27.5s uh
0: yes i am Um, yeah okay although um i absolutely love the 27 and a half because i do find them a lot of fun um i am switching hopefully to a trek slash for 2018 um and that will be a 29er so i'm gonna have to yeah get a few practice ones in to get the feel of that
1: <laughs> yeah 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 it's funny because it's such a big it's such a big conversation in the mountain bike world it's just it's and i think people are getting sick of it to be honest but yeah, just understand people's opinions
0: there's there's come a point now where everything that's been discussed has been discussed and it some people like them some people don't um yeah i'm gonna find out this year just how i get on with that
1: <laughs> yeah um, so tell us just had you any low points of your season last year
0: um the start of the season was particularly rough for me um I, I couldn't even tell you why. Um, it was just one of those times where things weren't coming together and I couldn't get the speed out of things. Um, and we all have odd days where, you know, it, things just aren't really working for you. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I perhaps went through a couple of months of just not quite being able to pull it together. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, something must have clicked about halfway through. I think I just got annoyed with myself. And at that point, just went, oh, you know, you've got to get over this and pick yourself up and basically gave myself a bit of a kick in the ass and managed to turn things around.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when you're feeling like that, do you question yourself quite a lot? Do you you say to yourself, am I training enough? Um, Oh, completely. You know, you know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Nobody is as hard on me as I am. Um, and it doesn't matter how many times people will go, oh, but, you know, you're doing really well and you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. It, yeah, it doesn't make a difference. In the back of my head. Yeah, I'm going to be berating myself for doing something wrong or not being able to do something at all or perhaps not having the courage to hit a jump quite fast enough. Um, yeah, it is. It's a really difficult place to come back from because it's in your own head.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and and tell us about your best result then or or your best time or your your favorite trail what do what do them kind of times feel like
0: when everything comes together yeah it's floating on air it really is um when if you're on a trail that you know and you're really enjoying it and everything's firing on all cylinders um everybody will get those days and that's why we do the sport in the first place um you're just yeah. Flowing down those trails and hitting every point just the way you want it.
1: Yeah. No, that that's what makes you keep going back, I suppose. Yeah. How do you make yourself better then? Do you have goals in place?
0: Um. Well, I never went into this with set goals. Um, so I don't tend to, to set myself too much. Um, I just keep building on it year by year. Uh, so, yeah, last year was about doing both the Scottish and the downhill series. Um, this year, I'm hoping to do, um, well, we've got one round of the European Enduro Series, um, which was announced just the other day. I've got two uh, Enduro World Series qualifier events that I want to do this year, and that will hopefully set me up for doing uh, an Enduro World Series in 2019. So there's sort of long term goals like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never expected to get where I am now, so any any progression, any bonus um, is really a, a benefit to me.
1: So, um, just off the topic, are you a better rider now than your partner? <laughs> <laughs> or is that no comment?
0: He is still faster than me. Um, yeah, no, he'll, he'll always be irritatingly just that one step ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> one day I will get him but um yeah <laughs> not yet
1: uh-huh. yeah it's awesome you know because like how long have you been mountain biking for now
0: um I think it'll be about five years
1: and how long have you been competing for
0: so I I actually started pretty early on I think I did my first race well maybe about four years ago uh, It was just a little grassroots one um yeah racing properly maybe three years
1: yeah, that's pretty awesome. That that's you you are. Well, you're certainly driven and determined and everything else because that's that's very very good. I think I'm just stubborn. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a wee bit about sponsorship, um, training, and and stuff like that. Um, so tell us who your sponsors are at this time then.
0: Um, so at the moment, I'm supported by Progression Bike Shop, which is in Dunkeld. Um, and they've supported me for the last couple of years. Um, Adam was the first one to sponsor me, so I own quite a bit. Um, I've got Sixth Element Carbon Wheels, um, who are absolutely brilliant at, at sorting me out with you know, new rims for everything. Um, and Huck Norris came on board last year. Um, I'm also a brand ambassador for She Shreds Clothing, which is a sort of apparel clothing based out in Utah, which are really good at supporting women in. Uh, well, lots of different sports, whether it's skateboarding or surfing or anything going really.
1: Yeah, oh, well, they're based in Utah, I didn't realise that. hmm, yeah. Oh, very good. I thought they were UK for some reason.
0: Or... No, no they, they're all over the world, really.
1: Yeah, cool. And, you know, you, the network full time, I take it, yes.
0: Yes, yeah, I've
1: still yes. got a nine to five, five days a week job. Yeah, so. <sighs> You know, it must be very difficult to balance your training with, with your employment and stuff, but as far as the sponsors go, how much has that actually helped you do what you do on the weekends and, and stuff?
0: They, it is a big help having them. Um, it wouldn't stop me not having them. Um, I would still find a way to get out and race and bike, um, but it, it's nice actually knowing you've got the support of somebody else. Um, it certainly helps out with the odd sort of discount and yeah,
1: here and there. yeah you know because it's very interesting when somebody you know would look at your website uh, and would look at your your racing and how much you've raced i think the majority of people now i may be wrong on this but i would think the majority of people that don't really know much about it would probably think that you that's all you do you're a professional racer you know but it's so not like that for so many people it's unbelievable um now, I don't want an actual figure off you, but you know what percentage of your annual income would you pump into your racing, do you think, yourself out of your own pocket?
0: Oh, um, yeah, good question. Well, I don't know, sort of percentage-wise. I know I worked out for, for next year, so I kind of sat down and worked out all the costs of what it's likely to cost me. Um, and with the races that I want to do next year, we're talking probably just over about 800 pound purely in entry fees if you add on accommodation and transport to that you're going to be looking a grand and a half um and then not to mention replacing bits and mechanics and upgrades and all of that so yeah it's comfortably sort of four figures
1: yeah you know it's a big commitment but um Again, it's a really healthy one. That's the way I would look
0: at it. <laughs> that is how I've argued it to quite a few people. There are far, far <laughs> yeah. worse things I could be spending that money on.
1: <laughs> yeah, certainly. And, you know, you're doing something you love. You're, you're out there. You're with people you enjoy. Um, yeah, so why not? You know, it's maybe an expense, quite a big one, but but why not?
0: Well, exactly. Um, I absolutely love it. So, yeah, there's nothing else I would be uh, spending. But I have no idea what I would be doing if I didn't do this.
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, you know, for for young riders out there, young ladies getting involved, coming up through the ranks and starting to race. Like, how did you go about getting your sponsors? What would your advice be to them?
0: Yes. Yeah, so firstly, I think it comes down to well, if you don't ask, you don't get. So don't be afraid to approach anyone for sponsorship because you never know. Sometimes you're going to get you know, thrown back and it sometimes surprises you by how helpful people can be. Um, But the key thing I've spoken to a few people about this, they they love the idea of getting sponsors on board, but it's a two way partnership. Um, So it has to be beneficial for them as well as you. You have an obligation to give something back in return for their help. Um, Getting good results helps in you getting noticed and sponsors obviously want to be associated with great riders. um, You can't underestimate the power of social media. You know, strong, dedicated following is going to help you out a lot. Um, but mostly brands just want somebody who's friendly and approachable and you know, has a good presence in the industry um, and that's going to be nice to talk to to promote them. Um, you know, they want somebody that's going to fit in with that brand. So it's just finding that balance between somebody you can work with but also giving them something back.
1: Yeah, and you know, you've put the work in, you go to the, the tournaments, you spend a lot of your own income. You know, when you show up, you're, you're a face at these places. So the brands need to be seen as well.
0: Hmm. I mean, that, that's generally the way that I tend to approach new sponsors. Um, it, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you, you want to have the good results and to prove that people will take notice of you. Um, but yeah, also just trying to prove that you can get their brand the exposure that they're looking for. At the end of the day, it's a big, um, it's a big marketing game, really.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, sure. So let's talk, um, let's talk about your training then. So what kind of training schedule do you have in the race season? Um,
0: so I have to be pretty strict with myself, and that mostly comes down to the fact that I sit in an office for the vast majority of a week. Um, so to fit it around work, I'm normally in the gym before work four days a week
1: what time's that at? uh six
0: forty-five to seven ish in the morning
1: right wow yeah so there's your first commitment <laughs> yeah if you're looking at if you're looking
0: sponsors young ladies there's your first commitment <laughs> yeah there's a very early alarm call there um mm-hmm. i i could go in the evenings but once i'm home it's difficult to get back out again um so i'm i'm, I'm normally on the bike three or four times a week um, you know longer rides on the weekends more shorter skill based stuff during the week um, I think the biggest problem is I live in Scotland if the weather's bad I still have to go out in it otherwise I'd never get anything done um, it's the same across most of the UK really
1: yeah and would you split time between your mountain bike and a road bike or anything like that I
0: I I do own a road bike. Um, it's not a great one and I hate it. Um, I I don't like fighting with the traffic, so I'll occasionally use it to commute to work. Um, but where I live, I am, I think about a 10 minute pedal from my local trails. Um, so really there's not much point. I would rather stay on the, the mountain bike. Um, but I'll go to spin classes in the gym. Um, just you know for punishment um, mm-hmm. and, and that I feel like it's about the same sort of workout as would be on the road bike
1: yeah and, and what other kind of training would you do in the gym would you do strength training or mobility training or anything like that
0: yeah so um, doing the mountain biking it requires the entire body to function together um, you know if I just lifted weights that it, it wouldn't work um, so I do a lot of functional fitness exercises there's a lot of burpees and box jumps but mix it up with squats and deadlifts um yeah not to mention the spin classes try and keep it quite varied because otherwise I'll get bored of things um but yeah there's, there's a combination going on there
1: yeah yeah certainly and um I, I have just actually started to do a training a, a mountain bike pacific training uh, routine and um it's so different from anything I've ever done before, yeah. um, but I'm still at the early stages of it. It's, it's actually a six, it's a, it's a yearly training program where you do six months in season, six months out of season. So I'm doing the out of season stuff at the minute, but you're still expected to be out in the bike, etc. But yeah, it's just so different. But I already, I'm only maybe six weeks in, I already can see the difference when I'm on the bike because it is a lot more mobility. It's just not lifting weights, you know, bench pressing and curling and, you know, it's its a lot of different stuff. So it really helps. I think that's its really key to be switched on and doing the right stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just having the muscles isn't going to be enough. Your body needs to know how to use them, how to apply the power when it's needed.
1: Yeah, and, and how did you... How did you learn that stuff? Had you helped there or did you just do your own research?
0: Um, it was a lot of trial and error and input from a lot of places. So, um, you know, so you get bits and pieces from online and from friends. Um, my, the team sponsors have helped out a little bit there. And, of course, you've got the gym instructors who are always going to be on hand to help out. In fact, I think they quite like a challenge when you say, right, give me mountain bike specific stuff because they stand there and go, oh, nobody's ever asked me that before. Um yeah, there's there's quite a bit of trial and error and just listening to to what my body is saying, you know, how does it react if I do this exercise for two weeks, how does it feel?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's important. And diet as well, would you look after your diet and stuff as well?
0: Um yes, during race season. Um <laughs>
1: and, and
0: as a vegetarian, it's not easy. That's been another case of trial and error and trying to figure out what works best um i generally just try and keep it clean you know nothing too overly processed um of making a lot of the the stuff at home myself and you know making a few days in advance um generally i don't actually like cooking it's more a necessity um but and you do you notice a huge difference on your body composition and the energy levels um when i'm at peak performance for races the, the diet makes a big difference Um, Mm -hmm. and then of course once the race is finished it's dominoes and men and jerrys and yeah it has to be done
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i'm a vegetarian myself actually and i have found i've been a veggie now maybe six or seven years and i have found that my energy levels are actually better because i'm not eating as much processed stuff
0: Mm. i find that um it, it keeps you more stable you're not getting the kind of peaks and troughs that you would yeah um certainly with sort of processed or lots of sugary foods
1: yeah no that, that's a good way to put it actually that's a very good way to put it so as far as advice goes could you think of the best pieces of uh, the best piece of advice you've ever had about mountain biking
0: for me um it's purely just to relax um i have a bad habit of overthinking things on the trail um or getting worked up in my own head um and just taking a split second to just breathe out relax and everything sort of starts to come together after that
1: mm-hmm. yeah no I, I can totally understand that and i have found myself i've only been mountain biking for um three years maybe and i can not not as long as that maybe and i can find myself a lot more relaxed now on the bike you kind of let your body and bike have that separation and and you know, the bike just does what it's designed to do, you know? Yeah.
0: Um, I, I once coached a friend down a trail by telling her that uh, the bike was perfectly capable of doing everything on this trail. It was just her that she needed to uh, sort yeah. out. <laughs> um, but it's I will actually have to remind myself, even mid-race, um, for example, like the, the Fort William downhill World Cup track, there are, I've got markers on that track where I know I've got time to reset myself essentially Um, because I know that maybe there's a big rock garden coming up and I take that second just to relax the shoulders breathe out and compose myself ready for the next bit. Um, I've got this on a number of trails now these little markers that just remind myself to relax.
1: So it's a mind game as well as a physical game that's definitely important. Let's talk about ladies and mountain biking. I just want to have a quick chat to you about that because you're you're very motivated in what you do and you're successful at what you do and you love what you do can you tell me if, about the challenges you had to get an into mountain biking do you think it's something you would ever start if your partner hadn't a uh, uh, biked
0: yeah i'm not sure um because as i say i had bikes around when i was a kid um but just never to this sort of level um i personally have never had any problems getting into mountain biking, you know, it's always been very welcoming and inclusive. Um, but yeah, my biggest issue was I didn't even know it existed um, before somebody, my partner took me up Glen Tress and went, this is a mountain bike trail. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't even on my radar as a sport to do. Do you think, is that
1: is that a brand problem or is that a marketing problem or, you know, is that an issue with the companies because there's only x percentage of revenue coming from the female market that they just don't want to promote it
0: traditionally that has always been the problem um certainly when it comes to gear and equipment why would you spend money developing something that you're not going to be making money back on if you can't get the sales out the door Mm -hmm. um but i think on a wider scale there is a bit of a a bit of a uh, branding problem certainly when i started you didn't see it anywhere certainly not in the sort of traditional ways that perhaps women would get information on sports um but I, I know uci and british cycling um and scottish cycling for that do quite a lot of work and effort to try and make it better known um, it's going to be a difficult one really
1: yeah yeah certainly and you know i think the problem is with it if you don't, if you don't have a friend that bikes, or you don't have a partner that bikes, and you're a female and you're wanting to get into it, the scene's so heavily male-dominated um, that it, be, it can be quite intimidating to go into that kind of environment um, to ask advice or to do anything like that. Um, you know, so what advice would you give to to a female rider wanting to get started?
0: You just have to go um, and and ignore. The fact that you might be walking into a bike shop full of blokes it doesn't matter you're still there to do what you want to do um I mean when I I started my partner worked away a lot um so a lot of my riding was done on my own Um, a lot of my early races were done on my own as well and you just have to start talking to somebody anybody because you know they're going to want to help you they're going to want to include you um and be supportive that's just the sort of people that tend to be in the industry really um but yeah if you if you want to start something then just go and do it trail centers are probably the best place to start because they are at least managed and maintained and there's a bit of a safety net there if something goes wrong
1: what did you do on the trails when you were initially starting what did you do that give you more confidence or made you enjoy enjoy the riding more
0: i was chasing other people i still do it (laughs) (laughs) i think that there must have been that competitive edge there from a very early start um i find somebody to try and keep up with and i just try and follow them as close as possible and
1: with you racing and stuff like that and, and seeing all the girls meeting at the weekends is that scene getting bigger do you think is there more ladies coming to the to the meetings and to the enduro races
0: it seems to be um From what I have seen over the last few years in racing, the the numbers seem to be going up. Um, I mean, not drastically, but they are going up. Um, Mm -hmm. But outside of the racing, there are a lot of women's riding groups. Um, There's a lot of Facebook groups that are set up for girls to meet socially and go out for rides, you know, once or twice a week. Um, mean, I've seen there's quite a lot of local ones around here. So it's certainly not difficult to find other people to go riding with now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Hope Take seem to be pushing a good bit. You know, they do the Hope Take Women thing and all now. Um, And that seems to be very positive. Do you see or how do you see the future for, for ladies mountain biking?
0: I would love to sit here and say, oh, it's going to be huge, and loads of women are going to pick it up. I don't think it's going to go that way, Um, because I mean, purely, you can see it across almost any sport across the world. Um, You know, women are not quite as prone to doing dangerous things, and certainly not at a competitive level. So it's always going to be a a small market, I think. but for the weekend rides and women just getting out on their bikes for their fitness and things like that, then, yeah, I think that's going to grow. That's going to become a lot stronger.
1: And do you see anybody in the, the professional field really pushing ladies mountain biking? Is there anybody that stands out to you? Do you look up to anybody in that environment? Um, I
0: mean, there's, there are a number of people. It would, it would be stupid not to mention Rachel Atherton. Um, she's been absolutely brilliant at pushing the selling the downhill scene Ford. the um, same with Tiny Seagrave, you know, they are such great role models for proving just how how far you can take it. You know, when they're beating some of the guys' times down there um, and making it look easy, it, it just goes to prove that, you yeah, it can be done. Um, and then of course on the enduro scene, we've got Katie Winton who's um, yeah, she's brilliant at making people feel really happy and chatty on the trails. Um there's yeah there's definitely a few sort of role models there to to work to
1: awesome yeah no that's that's good it's good for younger girls coming into the scene and and wanting to you know them role models are there for them let's talk about the future for yourself then first of all what's your favorite trail on the planet
0: (laughs) a tough call in the uk there's a lot um (laughs) i think my favorite changes almost every week but there's one or two that absolutely never fail to deliver um matador in uh, inner Leithen is just an incredible downhill trail um it's just got so many fun features on it i love that one i think a, a close second would be um it's quite an underrated trail the the wildcat trail in gulsby um which is right up in the far north of scotland so you have to be really dedicated to go up and find it but if you go there it's um it's got such an incredible descent i think it's one of the longest descents in the uk for a single top to the bottom one so yeah those two i think would probably top it for me
1: is there any trail on your bucket list that you really want to ride um
0: i've been pretty lucky to ride a lot of places but uh, it's got to be whistler i mean i think i could spend a whole summer exploring out there i've never been out there and i see photos and videos all the time um and it's yeah sitting top of bucket list at the moment
1: i, I know and and Crankworx and everything like that just looks unbelievable
0: yeah it's every time you see it it just seems to be um a bit of a, a yeah mecca for mountain bikers really
1: so what's next you talked about it a wee bit earlier there but but what what's next for you as far as the racing goes and and what what's your immediate kind of goals for this season what are you going to concentrate on most
0: um it's always going to be an improvement on last year's results um so I got some really good sort of podiums towards the end of last year, but because the beginning of the year was a bit of a rough start, um, I'm hoping to hit the ground running this year and uh, build up the points so that I can get a good overall series um, result. I think that's probably my main aim for this year. And I've got a few sort of uh, oddball races in there as well, just to keep it a bit more interesting.
1: (laughs) Do you ever go away abroad? to To ride the bike or or do a bike and holiday? Do you ever do anything like that? Um,
0: I've been out. Um, I've been once out to Queenstown in New Zealand. Um, although that was less of a mountain biking holiday and more of a just extreme sports holiday. Um, and I've been out to morzine Um, a couple of years back, and in fact, I'll be going out again this year as well. Um, for a week long trip out there. Um, but we have so many great trails on the doorstep this christmas i just went basically um road tripping around the uk ticking off lots of different trail centers that i hadn't been to yet and and that was a a week's holiday right there
1: awesome yeah that that's good i got to do that on a smaller scale around ireland to be honest this summer but i'll wait until the summer i'm just (laughs) crazy to go in the winter
0: (laughs) now i i have done that in ireland before as well um a friend of mine was getting married over there a couple of years ago um, and I went out to for their wedding. Um, and of course, because I was out there, I thought, well, I'll take my bike as well. And uh, went around the trail centers um, and unfortunately had a huge crash at Lost River. Um, oh, no. And of course, I had only taken one dress with me to wear to the wedding. Um, and in this crash, I had uh, grazed the entire uh, side of my shoulder. It was sort of uh, patched back together again. Um, so I had to be very careful which way I faced in all the photo- uh, photos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say you ripped your dress when you came up. The Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Not as bad as that. <laughs> so uh, Lynette, how can people best get in contact with you, keep in touch, see what you're up to and how you're getting on?
0: Um, there's three ways that I generally keep in touch with the world. Um, Instagram at net.mtb. Uh, facebook just look up lynette deacon um or there's my website blog um which just covers all the races i do throughout the year and that's lynette deacon mtb at wordpress.com
1: yeah and i did read through a couple of your your blog posts there and they're very very good they're very detailed so um i'll put everything like that on the show notes so people can link to you easily and get to you easily there um and yeah folks definitely for whoever's listening go check out Lynette's website because she's very in-depth um blogs there on a race and if you want to kind of get a day-to-day run the thing and and how what to expect if you want to do something similar they're very good so so well done congratulations thanks very much well brilliant thank you very much for coming on the podcast and i hope this has helped um you know everybody in general but if there's ladies you know wanting to get into it and and start racing or even just get on a mountain bike for the first time i hope this has really helped them and i I think your information has been really helpful and um it's all positive so that's good that's what we need (laughs) well i hope that
0: it helps out a little bit um i just love doing it to be honest
1: yeah and that that's the great thing and i hope this season goes really well for you and and everything goes to plan and you don't get a flu bug or something at the wrong time and (laughs) all that stuff so i hope everything goes well. yeah brilliant well i'll be keeping it i'll be keeping an eye on your website and seeing how you're getting on and if you have any big wins you have to promise now to come on to the podcast and talk about it okay i promise
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: brilliant good stuff well that's great thanks so much for coming on i appreciate it thanks so much thank you folks for being here and listening to the show i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did and thank you very much to lynette for coming on the show and telling us her story about her racing and how dedicated she is and all is uh it's pretty amazing so you know if you're looking to get into mountain biking that's the kind of dedication that is required to uh, be at that level that lynette is at so it does take a lot of time a lot of effort and you really need to love what you're doing but Lynette is a a great example. It just shows you you don't have to be super young to do this. You can get into it relatively late in life. I'm not saying Lynette's old, of course. But, you know, you don't have to be a spring chicken, as they say, to start. So I hope that has encouraged you to get on the bike, get out onto the trails, and uh, start pushing them pedals a little bit more. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. And if you want to follow the show, you can do so on the social networks. Instagram is at MTB Tribe and Facebook is MTB Tribe. You can also download and listen to the show. It's all free of charge via the website, which is mtb-tribe.com. It's also available via iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are on iTunes, please leave a review. I would really appreciate that. Five stars obviously is the best way to go. Um, It helps the podcast and helps me stay on the mic. If you are on the website, you can subscribe there get an inside scoop to what's happening throughout the week there will be more on that in the near future so please keep your eyes on that you can also contact us via the website just using the contact page give us a shout out if you want anybody on the show or if there's anything you'd like to hear on the show i would uh, appreciate that i read them all so i will get back to you um, also for next week we have quite a special guests coming on So keep your eyes peeled on social media. I will be popping up pictures and stuff to see if you can guess who it is. I'm quite excited about it. It's a good interview and uh, this, this guy's got a great future ahead of him. So take a listen, tune in. It'll be available next Thursday. And thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Have a great week, folks. Take care.